this week on the Cinematalia Podcast, we talk Chris Pratt's latest sci-fi adventure, The Tomorrow War, on Amazon Prime Video, Fear Street 1994, and America, the motion picture from Lord and Miller. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Cinematalia Podcast, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And with that, let's begin the show. Mr. Hines, how the hell are you? I am doing fine. I'm doing okay, James. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a while. Well, not really, like a week and a half. Um, lots of good movie news, and uh, some good streaming releases have come out. So there's plenty to talk about. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been doing all right. How have you been doing, James? I've been doing okay. Been on the job hunt. Uh, we were talking just before we started recording. Managed to get an interview with a um, a, a fried chicken company that shall not be named. Um, but uh, yeah, McDonald's. Uh, sure. Um, I probably won't be taking the job uh, because you know, I don't know. It's just uh, don't like. Got bad vibes. Got bad vibes. But um, you know, I'll I'll just keep searching. Um, on the movie side, I mean, we have uh, we have three movies to talk about, three new releases. Um, the Tomorrow War, of course, um, R.L. Stein's adaptation uh, of uh, Fear Street, uh, part one of that uh, trilogy. And uh, we have America, the motion picture, turning up uh, as well, which is uh, the newest production from uh, Lord and Miller. Um, in... You know they're interesting movies in theory. We'll get onto them, but uh, I have some I have some thoughts on them. But before we get into before we get into all the movie reviews, we have a whole sack of news to get through because you know we just we've missed a bit of time. It's all good, but I'd like to start off with the the leak or leaks rather of a ton of Spider-Man No Way Home promotional material. Uh, we've got some Funko Pops. We've got some Lego sets. See, this is like the bottom of the barrel. This is this is what all the, the Spider-Man fans have had to like use uh, in order to kind of find out what this movie is kind of even about. And I think that uh, through these, these toys, we've kind of... Um, I think it's kind of thrown a lot of people into disarray. Like, I think people that uh, were suspicious of whether or not Tom Hall or um, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Maguire, Andrew Maguire, Andrew Garfield were in the movie have been, I think they've been starting to doubt themselves um, if things are to be believed online. Because, you know, uh, these toys weren't supposed to be released and nothing is really showing uh, any hint of. Toby or Andrew coming back, so yeah, so it's a weird one. Um, when it comes to Lego, I mean, you can kind of get like a good idea of some of the like the scenes and set pieces that could take place in the movie. I remember when Iron Man three came out, <laughs> the Mandarin um, buggy. <laughs> Is that what you're the talking Mandarin about? buggy? Yeah, uh, I bought. That. <laughs> well, no, like <laughs> the, the um, there was you know that they had the um, the like the mansion. And the mm. window would like blow up and all yeah. that sort of thing. You can get like sort of an idea with these, though. I think it's an exception. Um, I think there was one sticker on it that said like, um, "Inspired by Spider-Man, yeah. uh, Far From Home." Um, there's one Lego set where Spider-Man has a drone 
ship like why in the name of jesus would he have a drone ship in the mcu like there's no like there's no real logic to them which i think is marvel you know being cute about it um i really think they want to keep uh their cards close to their chest with this one in terms of the suits i think the new suit with the it's like the 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 black and red with the gold i'm not a huge fan of it but i'm gonna wait and see what it looks like in the actual movie it'll probably change my mind um the black and gold suit where it looks like it's like um an electrical um kind of defense against something because there's like um circuitry in the arms that could be cool um i, I kind of like the idea that like spider-man would get like a new suit to combat you know something i think they did that in um ultimates you know the the one where he joined shield They'd always do that. They'd have like he jerry rig a suit somehow to like come back against like Electro or something like that. So um that was all fine. But as I said, it's just it's getting annoying now. Like they should at least announce like you know the general date of when they think a trailer's gonna come out. I know that's like wishful thinking, but it's just last week with the toy leaks, and then there was a few images of um certain actors schnogging one another <laughs> you know it's like it was it was the perfect storm like it was yeah. the perfect storm. if they released a trailer it would have gotten like 100 million views yeah. that weekend guaranteed mm. um i saw one tweet someone was like jesus and day and, and holland getting together now that's like <laughs> that's just made the movie like a two billion dollar movie yeah exactly <laughs> which i mean you know look at as i said um in terms of the designs, I'll, I'll wait and see. I, I don't think it's fair to really criticize them um, until you actually see them in motion in live action. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I want that trailer so bad. I, 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 I would put like, I'd put good money on it that Maguire and Garfield are in it at this stage. I think if they're not, I mean, Marvel's dead to me. <laughs> but uh, I, th- I don't think they'll disappoint. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been kind of uneasy about the whole multiverse thing in, in Spider-Man. I don't know if, I don't know if it, if it's something I would do if I was in charge of a third movie, but look, I think it's, it's fair to say they're, they're doing the multiverse in some way, whether or not the, the two other Spider-Men are coming along for the ride. I'd love to see Daredevil, uh, if he's played by Charlie Cox, even better. Um, yeah, just on, on the toys themselves, like especially the Lego sets, they're like, yeah, the the ones, they have like a little label on them, you know, it'll say if they're inspired by, as you said, uh, Homecoming, or if they're inspired by Far From Home, but the one with the, uh, that's kind of drawn the most attention is the the one in the, the Sanctum Sanctorum with uh, Wong and, and Doctor Strange and um, MJ as well. Um uh, I mean, like, they're kind of up to nothing, really. <laughs> they're just kind of playing around. Like, there's no real... There's nothing you can really kind of derive from the set itself, um, you know? Um, it's just... Like, what's kind of baffling me is, like, these weren't supposed to be leaked, but, you know, at the same time, the ones that were leaked have no uh, spoilery things whatsoever, like um yeah you know it's it's a weird one it's a weird one um this is what it's come to though we're talking about fucking lego sets for and <laughs> depending on them for leaks um yeah look i'll just have to wait and see i do feel 
I would be very surprised if we didn't get the trailer within the next two weeks by the time Loki wraps up. Black Widow is going to be in cinemas. Um, it's the perfect time to, you know, uh, put a trailer along with the, the Black Widow movies uh, or the Black Widow movie uh, in cinemas. And just when Loki wraps up, it's the perfect time. I'd be very surprised if we don't get him in the next two weeks. Um, I think it's that's uh, what I bet my money on anyway. Um, but yeah, same as you, I'd, I'd genuinely pay money. <laughs> I'd pay money to watch this bloody trailer. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to it. It's 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 so interesting. It's such an enigma. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It is. Yeah. It's it's like the yeah. It's I mean. The only thing that makes me worried is the fact that obviously it's a Sony movie, so yeah, I hope they don't hold it for Venom, but that comes out in like October, mm. so or it's yeah, it's like late September, early October, mm. but um, as I said, like it's a perfect storm if they want to market the movie now, um, with Loki and they're clearly doing like, you know, variants and and um, mm. you know, different uh, especially the teaser the end credit scene in the last episode Loki mm. kind of alluded to there being this greater multiverse of of the same character that you know and I think it would make sense to kind of tie it in with that and as you said with Black Widow coming out um, you should have that um, at the end of the film I think or at the beginning I should say um, I don't think there'll be an end credit scene with Spider-Man um, but I think it would make sense to, to, to market the movie in front of Black Widow um, speaking of things that have remained Marvel production that have remained quite secretive. Yeah, there was, um, well, there was a picture of Oscar Isaac and, uh, Ethan Hawke. Mm. Um, I think it was in Hungary, but what's weird is around the same time pictures of Ethan Hawke on the set of Knives Out came out mm-hmm. where he has like a water gun and he's like, I think he's like squirting water into Dave Bautista's <laughs> mouth. It's the strangest picture. Um, but the whole cast is there. They're on like a, a cruise ship or not a cruise ship. It's like a yacht. But um, yeah, in terms of Moon Knight, there hasn't been that much yet. I think the only thing that's really come out is um, obviously the picture that Oscar Isaac had where he's like behind a wall of different Moon Knight covers and uh, concept art. But um, it was actually a fan who took the picture of uh, Isaac and, and um, Hawk, which... It's kind of funny. I, I, I presume they're they're probably starting to shoot now or either that they're doing like tech scouts or something like that. But even if it was a tech scout, I don't know why they would be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, just give me as much Moon Knight as possible. That's that's the one show right now that I'm like, yeah. I'm itching for. Like that is after Hawkeye, for me, everything is just Moon Knight, Moon Knight, Moon Knight. And I think... A lot of Marvel fans are in the same boat. Like they've been expecting um, the show for quite some time, and or they've been wanting it for quite some time. And you know the the casting has not disappointed, and the people that they've brought on as well to do the show, um, you know, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, um, it's just got me even more excited. So I hope more photos come out from that. But then, um, as I said, talking about Knives Out, um, there's been a few set photos of that that have come out over the last few days, um. Nothing very spoilery or anything like that, but you kind of get an idea of the characters and and what they look like and maybe, you know, the kind of people that they are. Um, 
some people have made kind of comparisons that it would be another kind of family drama where it's this very wealthy family that flew to Greece or, and then obviously there was a murder of some kind. Um, but everybody looks great in it. Um, yeah. I know. What do you think of them? Uh, the noise out photos. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't, I hope it isn't like a family sort of squabble thing again. You know, I, I don't think they'd do that. I think everyone looks cool. Uh, like the whole uh, Benoit Blanc aesthetic this time around. I think it's really cool. Be interesting to see if, uh, if Ryan Johnson follows through on giving uh, Daniel Craig a different accent for for each installment i think maybe he's just joking but uh you can never be too sure with him uh yeah i'm just i'm really really looking forward to it i mean as as i was saying in a previous episode where we were talking about the knives out sequel it's um it's just one of those movies that has kind of connected like especially with kind of members of my own family where you know we could it's like one of the one of a few select movies where we can just kind of all sit down and watch it and we're all like um enjoying it it's just um a great, the first one was just great and um, there's much anticipation for uh, the second one just coming to Netflix uh, as well as the third one um, you know uh, th- those two movies are, are coming because of that big deal that Ryan, Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig did with Netflix so yeah really looking forward to it um, and uh, just on the subject of Moon Knight it's um, I think it might be I mean to be honest I, it might be my most anticipated Marvel project that is that is slated at the moment. Uh, the only thing that could top it would be like uh, if Daredevil got like a movie or something like that or uh, or a TV show. That would be the only thing that would top it because he's like my favorite. So, uh, but yeah, Moonlight, and f- I, I mean, it seems like the only like the most standalone property on the slate. Like even more so than Secret Wars. I mean, like, at least you have characters you've seen before in Secret Wars. Moon Knight is going to be, like, a uh, pretty much like a blank slate, I would imagine. Um, you know, I can't... Like, maybe you might have a character from a previous movie turn up, but, like, they're not going to be big players. It's just uh, an entirely new thing, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. He's such a cool character, Moon Knight. Such a really, really interesting character. Uh, kind of character um but yeah uh hopefully that is good um yeah i i I think as well you know with the tv shows all we've gotten so far pre-existing characters Mm. i believe miss marvel is probably going to be the first tv show where they're introducing a new character Mm. um as like the lead of something um but yeah as you said like the the Marvel shows have done such a good job so far, like really kind of changing kind of the form of what Marvel usually does and like the the, the kind of the genres that they play off of and um even the styles that they do, like One Division was so refreshing. Um The Falcon and the Winter Soldier was kind of a return to form, but I think even Loki now is just so different and weird. Um and I'm really hoping that they let um Moonlight just be its its own thing, but I hope it's its own thing, but I also hope it's not completely alienated from the MCU, which I don't think that they're going to do that. I think that they will have probably ties and references and, you know, the 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 usual stuff um, and familiar locations, stuff like that. But, you know, the, the mythology of the Moonlight characters, really interesting. And like Shang-Chi, I think it, it, it you know, how Shang-Chi is kind of opening up a, um, 
a whole other part of the MCU. I hope Moon Knight kind of does that um, in its own way. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Interesting that you touch upon Shang-Chi because I don't think we talked about the second trailer. Um, I mean, it's pretty much the same kind of deal. I mean, we get, I think it's, um, the trailer's good, I'll be honest, but I just think it's um, not as well cut together or edited as the first one for some reason. It was kind of the vibe I was getting. Well, you know, it's fine. It was a good trailer. It's fine. But uh, the main talking point came at the end. It was the, the sting at the end of the trailer where we see, uh, probably one of the most unexpected things I've ever seen in a trailer, which is uh, Abomination, Tim Roth's Abomination from uh, 2008's Incredible Hulk. That's the last time we ever saw him. And uh, Benedict Wong as Wong uh, fighting in a, in like a cage fight. Um, such a random matchup. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really know what to say about it it's um it's very weird uh what do you think is happening i think um the only like because the the cage that they're in it's like a it's like a, it's like the mcu version of of a ufc cage um i presume it's like some sort of underground like fighting betting type thing for metahumans or superhumans or whatever um I think it was a bit of a mistake what to put it in the trailer, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Like, imagine just sitting down watching Shang-Chi, like you're invested in these new characters and then the plot like halfway through and you get to see Abomination again. Um, mm-hmm. And Benedict Wong as as Wong. Wong is Wong. Um, yeah, I think it was a mistake putting it in the trailer. I think it's it completely took away from uh, Simu Liu and, and the rest of the cast. Um really i think it was a bit of a mistake but at the same time i suppose it was they succeeded in getting people to talk about the trader which is what they want um but i I just think there would have been more value if you had seen it you know while you had sat down in the in the movies to actually watch the film you know um it is kind of out there it's kind of weird i presume they're doing that so they can kind of gently remind people that like abomination is in the mcu for she hulk because I think Tim Roth is coming back for that. Show, he is, isn't he? yeah, yeah. So confirmed, yeah. Yeah. So um, I suppose there is a method to their madness, but yeah, as, as you said, I did not expect that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, the ears actually, the ears actually put me off. I didn't think it was abomination the first time I watched it. Yeah. Because he didn't have those like fish ears. No. Um, yeah, he was very. He was like, um, um, you know, the the abomination design that we saw in the Incredible Hulk is, uh a massive departure from anything that he's looked like in the comics. It's always that kind of fish-eared missing link looking uh, design in the comics. And do you know, I, I, uh, I think I'm in the minority in saying that I, I like the abomination design from 2008, but um, this is definitely a better move. I think it's, I think they're both, they're both good designs, but like you can't beat the, the classic fish-eared, design it's such a it's a it's one of the coolest designs for uh for a marvel villain i think for me anyway um earth i'll bring up earth's mightiest heroes for the millionth time on the podcast but um uh, that was probably um you know the best design they ever had for abomination where he had the fish ears but he was actually kind of more um armored he was like uh like a like a white rhino or something like that kind of overlapping kind of plates on on his skin it was really it's such a really cool design um but yeah uh i love tim roth and uh like abomination is kind of more 
um, more of a talker than Hulk is. So I, I can imagine that, you know, Roth is going to be doing some motion capture and, you know, we're going to be hearing Roth speak and all that. So, um, and he's going to be appearing in She-Hulk. Interestingly enough, he's supposed to be in like, I think it's the raft or something, uh, or in some kind of high security prison. So we might see how he escapes in either Shang-Chi or another Marvel property. Um, but yeah, no, it's very surprising. I think I have a theory. And I remember when I was I was watching a video essay about Shang-Chi, because I had no clue who Shang-Chi was when the movie was announced, that uh, he uh, participated in uh, what was essentially kind of a, the Mortal Kombat tournament of the Marvel Universe. And like there was a bunch of fighters there, but probably one of the most notable there was um, Iron Fist. And I think if there's going to be a tournament. You're not just going to have Wong, Abomination, and Shang-Chi. There's going to be kind of more fighters. Some martial artists that aren't as well-known from the Marvel comics and others that are quite well-known. Uh, well, Do I think it'd be Finn Jones? I don't actually think they'll bring back Finn Jones from the Netflix show at all. Um, you know, I don't think anyone would be too unhappy about that, to be honest. But I would not be surprised if Iron Fist or... Uh, or some reference to Iron Fist uh, is um, made in Shang-Chi when it comes out. It's a while away, but uh, that's kind of where I'm hedging my bets. It would, I think it'd be a wasted opportunity, you know? They kind of cross over a bit to kind of martial artist heroes. Um, I'd be surprised, uh, but we wait in hope. Anyway, Joe, do you have any uh, other news? Yeah, so this is a smaller bit of news. There isn't all that much detail, but Gareth Edwards, he's, um, he's shaping up to do his next movie. He hasn't made a movie since um, Rogue One. Uh, Rogue One obviously had a few uh, production issues. They brought on um, Tony Gilroy, um, who did you know Michael Clayton and Duplicity. Fantastic director and amazing screenwriter. Um, and I believe Tony Gilroy is showrunning the Cassie Nander show as well. So... Um, but yeah, he hasn't done a movie since Rogue One, and which made kind of upset me because uh, his first movie, Monsters, is fucking incredible. Um, even the story of how that movie got made and how you know it was really just him and like a skeleton crew with the digital camera, and he did all the visual effects himself. Um, it was just yeah, it was one of those inspiring kind of filmmaking stories. And then I think I really liked his Godzilla um, iteration. I think it, you know, I liked how you know, he kind of took this very kind of uh, mysterious kind of, um, you know, he didn't just throw Godzilla onto the screen whenever he wanted to. Um, he really kind of made people wait. And I know some people were upset about that. And I know when they did Kong Skull Island, they, they just put Kong in like the first five minutes of the movie. But um, I kind of liked Godzilla for that reason. But he's he's making a movie anyways with um, John David Washington, who's kind of getting cast and everything lately. Uh, but they recently added Gemma Chan, Denny McBride, and Benedict Wong, uh, who we were just talking about. Um, uh, the plot for now, it's under wraps, but what we do know is it's going to be a near future sci-fi story. Uh, and the title is called True Love, which, you know, kind of gives me, you know, like her vibes. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I think he's a really great filmmaker. Um any any chance again to see another movie from him? I'm, I'm going to jump on. So, 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So Toby Maguire, as well as Olivia Wilde and Spike Jones are going to be in the, his new movie Babylon, which is kind of a uh, 1920s era Hollywood movie. Um, it's been described as the great Gatsby on steroids. Uh, Brad Pitt's in the movie, Margot Robbie, uh, just a fucking absolute powerhouse of a cast. Catherine Waterston, um, Max Minghella, Lucas Haas, and yeah, just uh, amazing. I, I can't wait to hear more about it and uh, for a trailer or some footage to drop. Uh, it's it's scheduled for a late 2022, 2023 release. Um, and it's obviously aiming for awards. Um, but yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And probably the most notable thing about notable thing about this, aside from the fact that it's a new uh, Chazelle movie, is the fact that it's Tobey Maguire's first uh, acting gig in about six or seven years. I think it's the first one since like Pawn Sacrifice, which is the, the Bobby Fischer chess movie that no one really saw. Um, but um, the only reason I know about that movie's existence is. Tony McGuire was on Jimmy Kimmel uh, on his show, rather. Uh, and they were playing Connect Four. That just stands out in my head. It was such a weird... <laughs> such a weird um, I don't know if anyone saw that, but... Uh, yeah, it, was just, <laughs> it just sticks out in my head. Whenever I think of Tony McGuire, I think of Connect Four and Jimmy Kimmel. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I think I think he lost as well. Uh, and he doesn't like losing, if Molly's game is to be believed. Um, but, um, yeah, where he's... He where he was played by Michael Sarah, but not really, but yes, really, unofficially played by Michael Sarah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of that's Babylon anyway. Um, man, Damien Chazelle is fucking great, isn't he? He's so he's such a like. It makes me feel bad because I know I know he's older than us and all, but he's like thirty four, and he's just hit out of the park with every feature film he's ever made. You know, hard act to follow. Yeah, like when you think about, you know, he hasn't made a bad movie. Like, First Man didn't get that much awards consideration when it came out, but mm. I watched that movie again recently, and it's just, it's a really fucking powerful film. Yeah. Um, Whiplash is one of my, like, Whiplash is Whiplash. It's like the film bro movie, but <laughs> <laughs> Whiplash is just incredible. I mean, um, yeah, I, I suppose, like, whenever I think of Babylon, I'm like, oh, this is his Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, um, this is like his or to, you know, um, the, the movies of the twenties or whatever. And I, th- and, you know, even Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt, like it's, it's just a fucking amazing cast. Um, and to see, you know, you're talking about there having the movie being described as the great Gatsby on steroids. I mean, <laughs> the cast Maguire. So, I mean, it could be if they wanted to. Um, I hope they mean yeah, the I book. I can't wait for this now. And, I hope they mean the book rather than any of the movies. No, nothing, nothing really against any of the movies, to be honest. I think they're, I think they're both okay. Like even as polarizing as uh, Baz Luhrmann's adaptation of The Great Gatsby is, it's, uh, it's an acquired taste. It's not for everyone. You kind of know that when you're watching it, um, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, yeah. This, this is, this sounds very promising. Um, but yeah, can't wait to to see that. Um, there's a, a trailer for a certain spin-off to um, perhaps one of the most acclaimed television shows of all time. Yeah, the Many Saints of Newark. 
the trailer came out. I'll be completely honest. I didn't think the trailer was um, very well done. It didn't, it didn't blow me away. Um, but it's basically, it's a prequel to The Sopranos. Um, if anyone out there has seen it, um, it follows Tony Soprano. But what's crazy is um, the guy, the actor who played Tony Soprano, it's his son uh, who's playing his father in this movie which i just think is fucking crazy i I, like that's you know and i mean again i wasn't a fan of the trailer but he seemed like he's doing a good job like he has that kind of you know the the bit of the hunchback you know he's got the you know very nasally way of speaking um i just found it so funny that like within the first 15 seconds somebody used the term jerk off it's like the most (laughs) fucking gangster like you know it's like a jerk off you know um (laughs) Again, the trailer's fine. It doesn't seem like it's anything. It didn't make me want to rush to see it. But um, you know, as a fan of the show, um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually kind of, kind of considering you know rewatching all the seasons um, before the movie comes out because again, the, the Sopranos is it's. I mean, I, I feel like the Sopranos and the Wire are like the the gold standard of television. Um, yeah, so again, I'm looking forward to the movie, but the the trailer didn't, um, it didn't make me want to rush to see it. It didn't, it didn't elevate my expectations per se. Um, it has a fantastic cast. I mean, Frank Grillo's in there. Um, or wait, not Frank Grillo, the guy who played Punisher. What's his name? Uh, John Berthold. Uh, John Berthold. Why did I say Frank Grillo? <laughs> I don't know. He, I guess kind of uh, he played uh, Crossbones, which is kind of like a skull-themed comic book character, I guess. So, I mean, there's That's that probably, connection. Yeah. 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 Uh, if I was to guess. I know what you're getting at, though. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm actually... Uh, I'm uh, in the envious position of experiencing uh, The Sopranos for the first time in the last two weeks. I'm almost in a season one now. And, uh, yeah, it's a heck of a time. It's the bloody Sopranos. It's fucking excellent. Uh, one of the things I mean, I've said this before. It's one of the things I've I've gotten to because I'm more of a movie guy, obviously. Um, hence the podcast that's been going for the last year. Um, but you know, uh, it's TV has always been something I've kind of um, ignored or I haven't been able to access some shows, and uh, I've been getting around to have watched uh, Mad Men and uh, BoJack Horseman. I'm finishing up on every three episodes of that left, and. Um, you know all those all those shows. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like watched like fourteen seasons of that. Uh, a community, and yeah, and I I've I'm getting through the Sopranos. Got a um, box of The Wire as well on Blu-ray. Very excited to get into that. So uh, yeah, all thanks to Jeff Bezos and his national holiday. Um, but um, <laughs> I have to say, yeah, I thought the trailer was the same as yourself. Like I thought it was fine. Like it, it's you know it's not you know it's nothing earth shattering um you know i think that michael gandolfini is uh the spitting image of his father and i think you know we've seen him in um in cherry briefly as uh, tom holland's friend and you know i think he's got chops i just think he kind of i think this is the movie that's going to give him uh time to kind of uh, stretch his legs and um kind of show the world what he's got you know and um there's no place to do it. The, the one worry I'd have about this movie is like, 
you know, The Sopranos is one of the most popular TV shows in the world, but when you're releasing it in 2021, about 22 years after the, the series ended, I feel like, you know, it's uh, no matter how popular it, it was and still is, it's, it's always going to be a risk doing that for any TV show uh, at any time. Uh, just and if I was to criticize the trailer, I thought that it, uh, you know, it does rely pretty heavily on you knowing about the the TV show, everything down from the logo uh, to even like the 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 theme song, the Alabama Three theme song uh, from The Sopranos uh, is just kind of um, shonkily kind of. <laughs> Uh, kind of put in there at the end as the, as the titles are rolling for the trailer, and yeah, it's a bit. It was a bit abrupt. I thought uh, I liked the song, but yeah. it was it was very abrupt and just kind of shoehorned in there, um, which I thought was a bit sloppy. Um, but apart from that, it was fine. That was fine. I think the movie will do good as well. You know, I'm going to make um, a guess and say that this movie isn't actually going to rely too much on the show. Like, I think their their main concern is just going to be making a movie. Oh, yeah. Obviously, they're going to reference The Sopranos, but they're probably, their main goal is just to make, like, this kind of um, rise of, like, this kind of mob boss, this kind of, you know, just making a good gangster film that also... Um, you know, ties in with the Sopranos and just kind of, mm. you know, um, at least so, you know, like, again, I don't think if you, I think if, if you've seen the Sopranos, you're probably going to eat this up and love it. But I think if you haven't seen it, um, I don't think you should keep away from it. I, I don't think, um, like, even with Marvel, I mean, like, if, if, you know, if Shang-Chi is the first Marvel film you've ever seen, you, you know, you, you're not going to be completely alienated to everything, but there's going to be certain things that kind of sweeten it up if you've seen the previous films and I think that this is going to be the same where there's going to be a name drop or you're going to see one of the Sopranos or you're going to see you know and if you've seen the show it will just be like oh nice um but I don't think again I think for the general movie going audience I think I think HBO knows this as well um they kind of have to make it widely accessible um but looking criticizing it from that you know point I don't think the trailer didn't make me very excited. It, it didn't jump out at me as being like a, a gangster film that I was just really wanted to see. So um, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure there'll be another trailer soon. Um, hopefully it'll be an improvement, but yeah. Yeah, hopefully, you know, and I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be like a solid gangster movie that will be its own thing. I just think like from a marketing perspective, it's being pushed um, a lot, you know. Hopefully, it's like um, kind of a Hobbit, Lord of the Rings situation where you can kind of approach the narrative. Uh, say you're going in blind, you can approach it from any angle. You could start with any trilogy. That's one of the things with the Hobbit. It's like, um, I, I mean, I was watching. Um, I think I watched the Hobbit first before the Lord of the Rings because I was like twelve when the Hobbit came out, and I was kind of, you know, uh, I was I was young enough. Like, so I mean. Um, but you can actually approach it from any angle, I find, and appreciate it for what it is, because The Hobbit, obviously the novel came before, um, you know, The Lord of the Rings, chronologically, and it's it, it's good that way, you know? Lord of the Rings is, is better by a long shot, but um, 
Although I really like the Desolation of Smaug. I think it's a really good movie. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's not Jackson's best work <laughs> by any means. Um, but yeah, uh, look, I, I'm looking forward to it anyway. And it's going to be one of those releases that's going to be uh, brought out on HBO Max uh, and cinemas simultaneously. And we'll probably get it. Uh, if I had to take a guess, I'd say we'll probably get it through Sky Cinema. Um, if, if so, you know, just that's my yeah. that's my prediction. Uh, okay, or now TV. Um, so a news story that got me really really excited over the um, the last few days was um, Andre Overall, who he directed Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which. Um, I, I really like that movie. That movie has a place in my heart. I remember, um, this is actually kind of crazy, the first day of college, um, that was the movie I went to see. That came out in September, I believe, of the, the, the year that we started in, uh, in our course. Yeah. I went to see it, and it's as a PG-13 horror movie. It, it was genuinely like kind of scary. He is doing um, The Last Voyage of Demeter, which is... Um, it's a story that's kind of, it's based on a single chapter from uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, and it's about basically a cargo ship um, going from Caperthia to London. Um, and considering how it's, you know, it's a chapter from, you know, Dracula, um, it has to do with Dracula, believe it or not. Um, and the cast is... Uh, really great. I mean, they've cast David Delsmachian, who's going to be in the Suicide Squad. Uh, he's playing Wachek. Um, they cast Ashling Franchoski, who is in uh, The Nightingale. I don't know if you've seen that, James. It's an incredible movie. It's on, it's on uh, my watch list. Was, on my watch. I actually added it last night. Um, is she... Uh, it's like, that's like a Northern Irish movie, isn't it? Is it was shot in Northern Yeah, I mean, she's, she's Irish. She's oh, yeah. Irish, but I, mean, I her second name would lead... Leave, leave me to believe that she's probably she's um it's Italian true. heritage but um yeah, yeah. yeah uh they also have um who else did they cast um oh yeah they ha- they cast Javier Botet who um he plays like he plays like the the monster in every movie like he was in it he was in wreck um he was the the old guy at the end of wreck um he was in a movie uh, recently uh, called Hostile. Uh, it was like a really low budget movie, but he played again the monster. He's this really t- tall, narrow dude, but um, he's going to be playing Dracula. Um, even his ears. I mean, this. I'm, I'm not trying to like to be mean about the guy, but the guy has like these really pointy ears. You think he he, he kind of has like a, a Dracula vibe. Oh, um, a Nosferatu kind of vibe to him. Yeah, like yeah, like you know. Um, I'm sure whenever I think of like Dracula, Dracula, I always think of, um, you know, and uh, what we do in the shadows, the guy in the coffin downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the vibe I get from. Yeah. But um, I, I really hope they do like, because, you know, vampires are like, I have, I have a big interest in that kind of mythology. But the problem is like movies like Twilight just messed with vampires so much. There was this period of time where you had like True Blood and, the vampire diaries where it was just sexy vampires <laughs> i really hope now cinema just goes to a place where vampires are actual like monsters you know mm. um and they're not just all horny the whole time like um, lesbian vampire killers remember that movie 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking awful um, maybe <laughs> yeah like you know shit like that it's just it's not scary it's not and again you know twilight i know it has a huge fan base and if you're into those movies great for you but um and i think the first twilight movies just it's so bad for like it's so bad it's entertaining but mm. um yeah and but anyways getting back to this movie um they also cast chris wally who um, he's pretty big here in Ireland. He was in The Young Offenders. Um, he's going to be in it. Liam Cunningham is going to be in the movie. He's playing the captain. Um, so very Irish cast. Uh, Corey Hawkins is also in it. He was in In the Heights uh, recently. Um, I think he's going to be the lead. Uh, so look, I'm I'm really excited about this movie. As I said, I have a big interest in vampires and that whole mythos. Um, and I think it's a great premise. I think, you know, this you know, this one confined space being on a ship. I think it's just very cinematic and could make for a very creepy, eerie movie. And it's being produced by Amblin. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it now. On the subject of vampires, which I'm also very much into, uh, have you um, have you experienced Castlevania yet on Netflix? I haven't, but <laughs> just like you, it's on my watch list. Yeah. Um I, I think you were telling me about it before, and I was like, "Man, we need to get on that." It's so good. Um, it's, the, yeah, it's mystery now. Yeah, season four came out, um, and it was amazing. It was such like the animation on it is is like next level. It's so so good, and like it gets better. You, you, like when you're setting at season one, you don't think it get it could get any better than that, and they just improve on perfection all the time. Um, I actually got um, Trevor, Trevor Belmont is like the main character. He's like one of the three main characters in the series. I got like a, a Funko Pop of him on Amazon, like a really good price. It was like seven euro. Um, so I think I think getting oh, that nice. tomorrow, I'm really chuffed. He's like one of my favorite like characters in fiction. Like um, he's, he's that cool because I don't, I never really played the Castlevania games. Uh, the, the series is, uh, it takes all the good parts from the, from the game's mythology. It's a very kind of mumbled, scrambled kind of mythology. It's all over the place. But um, it's very, very interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, such a great cast, like James Callis, uh, Richard Armitage from the Hobbit movies and Hannibal. Um, then you have Jason Isaacs, Bill Nye, um, and uh, even Malcolm McDowell from A Clockwork Orange is in there. He's in the, he's in the last season as, uh, as, as one of the main antagonists. Um, Tysus Welliver, all those guys. Um, but yeah, incredible. And then there's spin-offs coming later on. Um, one of my favorite like Netflix properties to have ever come out. Um, but yeah. And uh, I think uh, Chloe Zhao's uh, Dracula Western movie is a starting production, I believe. Uh, her cinematographer posted a uh, clapperboard um, of whatever project yes. they're working on. And people are thinking it's the Dracula movie, which is kind of the, the next thing she has um, on her schedule. Uh, as far as I know, she's all done with Eternals, uh, as far as production's concerned. So, um, yeah, uh, this is like one, again, one of my most, not, not just because of Chloe Zhao. I think I'd be interested in it either way. Um, but the fact that she's on board is, is fascinating and very appealing to, uh, anyone who knows what she's capable of, which is a lot, um, you know, a lot of people now after her, her big Oscar win, 
Um, but yeah, this is this is really cool. I think there's um there's an animated movie I've been meaning to watch. I think it's called um, Vampire Hunter D. I think it's like an anime. Uh, Chris Stockman was talking about it about two years ago, and I was like, wow, that looks really cool. And uh, something I need to kind of get on. Um, but I think that kind of had Western vibes to it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it's such a cool mix: vampires and and, and cowboys. It's such a it's kind of it's kind of something yeah. I'd, I'd dream of if I was seven years old. Um, yeah, but um, I just like vampires. Vampires make for such like they're just such quintessentially scary monsters. Mm. You know these blood sucking creatures. Like movies, I always remember. I loved. I don't know if you've ever seen Stakeland. But it's like this so. post-apocalyptic movie about like vampires and taking over the world. And um, even I think, you know, filmmakers like Guillermo del Toro really have like a good grasp on like what they are. Um, you know, The Strain is a TV show and even the books um, where they are, they're kind of seen as a, like this very parasitic kind of monster. Um, and I mean, the vampire, like it's treated as like almost a plague, um, almost like a, a kind of like, coronavirus but just with vampires yeah. um which is really interesting um and i mean he's always done that i mean even in like blade 2 um he, he they weren't these kind of as i said like just these horny long-toothed weirdos they you know he they were these as i said monsters and um any movie that kind of treats them like that i'm always going to gravitate towards and i hope this movie uh the last voyage of the demeter i hope it's um, I hope it follows in that kind of same footpath. I'm fairly sure. I know we're going. I know I'm going back and forth, but it's all it's all vampire. I'm pretty sure. I would I would bet money that uh, Ethan Hawke is playing Dracula in Moon Knight. I'm pretty sure. I fucking hope so. I think he is. I have a good feel. Like you look at Dracula in the comics, which is like one of my favorite Dracula designs. The the armor and the kind of you know, the white hair, like. The way that uh, Ethan Hawke looks now, um, and I'd imagine he's doing some training, maybe not as elaborate as what Oscar Isaac is doing. He like he looks like that character. There's some there's something kind of inherently um, vampiric about Ethan Hawke, um, and I think it's the fact that like you know he looks kind of like youthful all the time and. Uh, I don't know. He just—he looks like a like a guy that would be a, like a vampire, you know. Um, I mean, he played played one in Daybreakers. Daybreakers is another really great vampire movie, and yeah. but the only thing that makes me hesitant towards that is the fact that you know we have Blade coming out. If there's ever a movie to introduce Dracula, it would be in that. But mm. maybe he could show up in it. It would be a good introduction. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean. As I said, we'll have to wait and see. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be cool if he was a vampire, but he wasn't Dracula. He was like, you know how um, he could have been like a, you know, when Batman Begins, how like Ra's al Ghul is killed, and then, um, yes, you know how um, what's his name, Liam Neeson, he's kind of like Ra's al Ghul's like right hand man. Maybe Ethan Hawke is like that for Dracula. And he's like showing Oscar Isaac like the ropes. Um, I'm only saying that because Moon Knight's very kind of Batman like. Yeah. Um, maybe it's something like that. I don't know, but um, it would be cool. That would be fucking sick if he was Dracula in the TV show Moon Knight, and then he went on to go into Blade. Um, that would be pretty cool. So maybe they might do that. Yeah. I think one of, and I'm not too familiar with uh, Moon Knight's Rogues Gallery. Dracula is one of 
he's a villain that he would face quite a lot. Um, there's another one, Werewolf by Night, which is actually the, uh, which was like an established comic that Moon Knight actually debuted in, uh, which is like a horror comic. And I think Sun King is the name of a character that is a, a Moon Knight villain. That's also on the table mm-hmm. for um, Ethan Hawke. He was kind of, you know, he's kind of like, um, I guess anyone that's into Batman comics is like the the polar opposite of Moon Knight. He's called Sun King. Um, so he's like the what Prometheus is to Batman. Uh, so, or Owl, uh, what's his name? Owlman. He's like an alternate version of Batman. That's, sort of, that's kind of what you're dealing with. Um, but yeah, uh, plenty of vampire content <laughs> that we didn't know we wanted. But uh, yeah. Whether or not Moon Knight has vampires on it is another thing, but Blade definitely will. Um, there's, there's also that Netflix movie. Uh, I don't know if you saw the trade for Blood Red Sky, which is yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's like a it's like a hijacking movie with vampires. Um, <laughs> that's another that's another movie where again they're treating vampires like actual like monsters. Mm. Um, I just I know I'm hating on like you know the very seductive vampire. I think. Again, I think they're fun for some things, but it's just, you know, to me, that's not what a vampire is. Um, yeah, yeah, Netflix, they're, they also know. They're also with it. They absolutely are. Um, yeah, I think that's all the news kind of I have. Is that all the news you have? I think we're yeah. okay with news. We're all good with news. We're going to move on to the reviews. Uh, I'll be honest with the upfront. Not the best batch we've ever had. <laughs> um, at least for me, anyway. I didn't. I didn't have a great time, but I endure nonetheless because it's one of the easier things you can do with your life: watching movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess we'll start off with um, we'll start off with um, Fear Street, nineteen ninety four, which is this uh, new Netflix project that was originally at Twentieth uh, Century Fox. Uh, before all the Disney shit happened, ended up um, at Netflix for whatever reason. The The plan was actually, the blueprint for uh, the distribution of these movies was was pretty similar. Uh, so you'd have um, Fear Street Part 1, uh, 2, and 3 come out within a month of each other in cinemas. It was like this new thing that was on precinct and never done before. Uh, the rights of the R.L. Stein uh, Fear Street novels, which I believe are very popular. I've actually never heard of them. I, I'm well aware of R.L. Stein and Goosebumps. I've never, I've never actually heard of Fear Street before. Um, but so yeah, sorry, is ends up at Netflix, and it actually kind of, uh, it, it suits it down to the ground. The Netflix model of releasing things uh, within quick succession of one another. To be honest, they could have released these things. Uh, all at once, and it would have worked maybe even better. We'll get into that. Um, but these uh, Fear Street movie, or Fear Street Netflix movies are coming out within a week of each other instead of a month. Uh, so the first one, part one, is set in 1994. They're all going to be covering different years. It's uh, set in a small town called Shadyside with a reputation for murder. Um, a gang of teenagers unite to take on a supernatural entity that has been behind the killings for over 300 years. Here's a clip from Fear Street, 1994, part one. 1666, Seraphir was hanged for witchcraft. Fact, 
But ever since she was executed, she's been possessing people, turning them into killers to take revenge on the town. It's like the nursery rhyme. Yeah, yeah. Before the witch's final breath, she found a way to cheat her death. By cutting off her cursed hand, she kept her grip upon our land. She reaches from beyond the grave to make good men her wicked slaves. Yes, exactly. Don't you see what's happening to us? This is all proof. Shadyside isn't just some hotbed for psychos. All these massacres are connected to Sarah Fear. The witch's curse is <laughs> um, Yeah, so, Mr. Hines, what did you think of Fear Street Part 1? Yeah, I um, I really enjoyed this movie. I'll be completely honest. I'm going to be on the other side of the fence with a lot of these films. Oh, because um, <laughs> You're the moonlight like, to my sun king. Look, I haven't read the books and I didn't actually know that these were based off books. I remember I saw the trailer for the trilogy. I was like, oh, that looks corny. Um, but I decided to watch it anyways and I had a blast with it. I think the cast is incredible. Um, they've got incredible chemistry. Um, the movie is genuinely funny. Um, which I, that's a very rare thing for me to say with a lot of films, especially that come from Netflix. Um, the film really, it, like it knows what it is and it doesn't really apologize for it. Like it's, it's the way how like some of the chase scenes and especially like some of the scare scenes are set up and filmed are done really, really well. Um, it's a genuinely good slasher with some really great kills. Um, the mythology like there'd be times during when, I, when I'd be watching a movie where I'd be like, oh, this is a very kind of, this is a very strange kind of mythology, like sunny side, shady side, the shady side witches. And like, this is very kind of on the nose. Mm. But now that I know it's based off a series of books, I'm like, well, that actually makes sense. Um, It, it, it kind of reminded me, oddly enough, it, it was like if somebody took like the Stranger Things, you know, like kind of mentality and just like made a slasher out of it. You know, it's, it doesn't kind of beat you over the head with nostalgia, um, but it is nostalgic. And look, as I said, the casts were really charismatic and I felt like we're actually kind of funny. Um, and I, I'm also going to give the movie props because I think there's been a lot of movies, streaming movies that have been kind of tackling like, um, you know, LGBTQ plus, you know, issues. I think this is actually the first movie that's ever handled a relationship where it's not fucking scandalous mm. or like there isn't like a whole thing about it. It's just, that's who they are and that's it. And yeah. that's the relationship. And that was kind of refreshing. It's like, you don't get that shit a lot. Um, and yeah, as I said, look, I had a fun time with the movie. I think it's a great, I, like this is the kind of movie I would put on for like, <laughs> maybe this sounds weird, but like, this is a great Halloween movie for like kids. I think because it's it's scary enough where like it would probably haunt them for a few years, but it's not scary enough where like it'll like fuck them up, you know, like um, early teens. You know, we were, I would think early early teens. Early teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I was talking about Andre overall and scary stories to tell. You know, like that movie did it perfectly where it wasn't R rated. Like nobody got like you know stabbed or you know put into like a meat grinder. Um, yeah, but it was still scary and i think as i said some of this especially the opening sequence i thought was filmed really really well mm. with ethan Hawke's daughter she's everything is connected in this episode <laughs> um, exactly yeah yeah but uh yeah look I, as i said i think this is a fun slasher movie it's it 
you know, I was never, I, I didn't live through the nineties, but it had a very nineties vibe to it. it. You know, um, it was effective. It, you know, yeah, it, I, I just felt like it was like, this was like a better screen movie than most screen movies, if that makes sense. Mm. You know? Um, so look, I, if I'd give this movie like a four out of five, just because of that and how, just effective it was. I think if people out there are looking for a good, enjoyable horror movie, I think this is the one to watch. I think Netflix really kind of knocked it out the park with this film. Uh, whether they're able to do that with the next two installments, we'll have to wait and see. But for the for the most part, I, I just really love the cast in this movie. I hold out hope that, I mean, I didn't enjoy this at all, but I'm <laughs> sorry. But um, <laughs> it's, I, I have a feeling, or, I don't even have a feeling. I hold out hope for the sake of this that part part two and part three will retroactively make part one better. Um, because maybe it might be revealed because you know that there's a, a story thread uh, starting with part one that's going to be running through the rest of these um, entries in the series, uh, and I hopefully there's going to be something that's revealed uh, that explains why everything is just like a riff on scream and i know what you did last summer and like something like like um what they did with um a cabin in the woods where uh, tropes are kind of thrown at the movie and thrown at the audience and but it's all okay because they're kind of just taking the piss out of it and it's done really really well um man i, I don't know i I didn't, I didn't, uh, none of these jokes really landed for me, to be honest. People get with each other, uh, aside from Keanu Madeira's character and, um, and her, uh, kind of on off girlfriend, like that relationship is very much believable. But, uh, uh Madeira's brother, who's into all this, uh, horror conspiracy theory stuff, is like, he gets with like a cheerleader and it just like, and that's fine. But like, there's there was really no build up to it. Like, it was it, it, the development was very one sided, and the, they kind of just um, toss out this explanation. Oh, they're all gonna fucking they all know they're gonna die anyway, so they might as well you know pork. Uh, so it's <laughs> pork, <laughs> yeah. But you know, and you know, uh, funny enough, she ends up in a meat grinder. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it could have been so much better. And I think, you know, I stand by the fact that this is a perfect place. Netflix is a perfect place for things like this to release. Cause it's, uh, if you're, if, uh, you're into stranger things or anything like that, this is very similar, you know, even down to the Maya Hawk appearance, um, yeah, it's. I think. I think if you want, like, this is like a greatest hits horror uh, movie. It's like the Jackie album uh, of horror movies. You know, you can just. Uh, it's like a greatest hits sort of thing. Um, just watch Scream or like one of the Screams. Prefer you know, preferably like the first one. Um, yeah, it's just it didn't it didn't do anything for me. And another big thing is. Uh, yeah, as you were saying, like the whole LGBTQ um, kind of uh, relationship in this is very believable. But then, like, there's this other thing where it kind of contradicts the time period where it's 94 
kind of Midwestern America. And like, that's the kind of one aspect of where it kind of contradicts itself or the script contradicts itself. Um, but like, if it wasn't for the soundtrack and I can only imagine how fucking much the soundtrack costs, like <laughs> this movie is just like song after song of nineties hit, like everything from smells like teen spirit to just a girl, uh, you know, they're all here. They're all here. Um, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but they don't talk like nineties kids at all. You wouldn't know it was said in the nineties. A lot of the time, they just talk like uh, like fucking people now. It it yeah, that's just another issue I have with it. It's just it's like it kind of forgot it was set in the nineties and just kind of um, focused on the on the music because the music's good. I don't know. I just didn't enjoy yeah. it. I I respect anyone who, who enjoys it though, and I think it, you're on the money for saying, uh, yeah, this is this is kind of. This is kind of like setting people up for horror, like younger viewers for horror in the future. This is like my first horror movie, pretty much, by R.L. Stein. This is kind of what we're going for here. Yeah, and like, look, I, I completely hear what you're saying about like the 90s setting. Um, you know, I think, you know, I made the comparison to like Stranger Things. Stranger Things would beat you over the head with like nostalgia. Yeah, you know, um, and they definitely know what they're doing when they're doing that. I didn't feel like this movie really did that though. Like, and maybe that was like an issue. Um, I like you're kind of right. Like you, you, you wouldn't believe it's in the '90s unless they like told you. But mm. I suppose, you know, I don't know if the dialogue. Was, I didn't really have an issue with the dialogue. I was just kind. Of, as I said, I just felt like the cast just worked so well together. Like Julia Rewald and. Fred um, Herchinger and you know their dynamic as like the drug dealers I thought just was they just had such good chemistry um, and that's an issue that I have with a lot of horror movies um, as well as like slashers and you know the typical like just teenagers getting fucking <laughs> murdered it's like you know they they're just soulless beings and this movie was actually different um, I gave a shit about them um, not only that, but it was an effective horror movie, and that's doing those two things. You, sometimes you wouldn't even get those two things; you'd barely even get one of them. So, um, I have to give a credit. I have to give a props on that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think my opinion on it kind of stands in like if you're early teens and you, you're not really into horror movies, this is like a great introduction. I feel like, um, I feel like a lot of people might watch this and be like, "Oh shit, this is a cool subgenre." I might go back and watch, you know, Scream or whatever. Um, and so yeah I mean as I said I enjoyed it I, but I give it like 4 out of 5 yeah. Yeah, I give it 4 out of 5 yeah I'm on a 2 because it's not offensively bad and I admire what they're going for there's actually you know and I, I, I've been quite negative in the review but um, I, I think it's actually like the cinematography is like really really well done it's actually like especially in the um, in the first scene the opening uh, kind of prologue I thought that was that was a really good effective scene it's probably the best in the entire movie i don't know if that's because maya hawk is the most well-known actor in the entire movie and she gets killed off it's not smart to say she gets killed off to be honest it's kind of you know sets you, you know she's dead the first second you see her but um yeah i don't know if that's just her performance or just it's the scene itself but um yeah 
Man, uh, yeah, it's, it's, ho- hopefully the next one is better. We're gonna be we're gonna be watching uh, part two and part three. Uh, I have a feeling part I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, like part two more, just judging by the setting, because it's gonna be a Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Jason Voorhees sort of situation where uh, you know people are out of camp. Uh, maybe even hints of Evil Dead. Who knows? But definitely Friday the Thirteenth is what they're going with, and. Yeah, can't wait. Um, oh, I hold out hope. I, I want it. I want it to be good. Um, anyway, we'll move on to um, the Tomorrow War, which is the new movie from Chris McKay, who is the uh, who directed the Lego Batman movie uh, back in uh, twenty eighteen, I think. Which is one of my favorite animated movies to come out. Um, I guess in the century, I think it'd be fair to, it's it's so funny. It's like a laugh a second uh, movie, a great deconstruction of uh, the concept of Batman, the mythos, and full of imagination and excellent visuals. Uh, I kind of prefer to um, to the Lego Movie to be honest. I think the Lego Movie is great too, but I think the Lego Batman is excellent. The, the cast with Arnett as, as Batman, Michael Sarah, Rosario Dawson, all those guys. Excellent, excellent, excellent movie. Um, this, not so much. We'll get into it. Uh, so, uh, this movie starts off with uh, Chris Pratt and his family and a bunch of his friends gathering on the TV, watching the World Cup in Qatar in 2022. Uh, and the, the game is interrupted by a bunch of time-traveling soldiers that are uh, telling uh, the people in the present uh you know, through the televised match that uh, the world is going to go to shit uh, in the next few decades and we need you to help us. So uh, Chris Pratt is a uh, army veteran turned science teacher. Uh, One of the most, uh, one of the uh, most least believable things in the movie, even though we're dealing with time travel. But anyway, uh, he's conscripted into the army uh, against his will. Uh, or else, like his family will be, you know, taking his place, and he'll be thrown to prison. Uh, so it's up to Chris Pratt to save the world, and that's kind of the movie. It's exactly what you think it is. Here's a clip from the Tomorrow War. Most of you will deploy with D Force. The rest will jump with R Force. The screen on your jump band indicates deployment. Check it now. Oh, I guess we're together. I'm Charlie. Dan, how are you? Hey, R-Force. You can braid each other's hair later. All right, stop talking. Listen. Totally. Uh, sorry, I, I mean, when I'm nervous, I talk, and I'm like on the, I'm like on the scale of one to 10, I'm like a 90, 97 on the nervous scale. Or maybe a, like a 98, you look like a murderer. No offense. Well, hey. I mean, you do. He will kill you before I know, the I called him a murderer. Turn around, man. I am. See, I missed all of that. Mr. Hines, The Tomorrow War, what did you think? Look, um, I am, I'm not even going to attempt to defend this movie's logic because <laughs> there's, no, there's, no, there's no point. There's, there's literally no point. You could have graphs and charts and all sorts of things. You could dissect the script. You could probably come to some sort of logic. But at the end of the day, it is a stupid alien invasion movie and it, it was i fucking loved it i thought it was 
Look, as I said, it's stupid. There's no sense to the time travel. Um, time travel very rarely makes sense, even in the best cases. Um, I just thought, like, <laughs> I just love the movie so much because of how, again, stupid it is. And the set pieces in this movie and the action are just so well crafted. Um, even the dialogue, like some of the lines that characters say, is like ripped straight from the 80s. Um it's just a fun popcorn summer action film with, as I said, like just even when you speak the synopsis, you know exactly what kind of movie it is. Like a, like time travel, alien invasion. It's ridiculous, but it's so much fun. And, um, you know, I think Chris Pratt is like the perfect, <laughs> it's the perfect casting because he, you know, you could cast like a really serious actor. Um, who gets like really emotional and there's a lot of scenes where you know he he has scenes with his daughter in the future um and like you, you could go you could go to like really emotional places but at the end of the day like i think they know the movie they understood the movie and they knew like we don't want to make this like a absolute like you know mop fest like we just want you know just fun and action and fucking weird aliens shooting spikes out of their ass and look at the movie was fun. I, I I feel bad for liking. I'm like everything that I've taught myself about film, I should hate this movie, but I just I just don't care. It's just a lot of fun. I was watching this movie and I was just fucking laughing my ass off, being like, oh shit, that's class. You know? Um the white spikes, the monsters in it, are a fucking great design. Um, you know how you, in movies you'll have like these just these drones, like the Jatari in, in Marvel or um you know, just these mindless drones who are just like the the antagonists of the movie that, you know, the the cool action hero just can kill like hundreds of them. Um, but they were actually like a threat in this movie, which I liked. Um, and yeah, I, I really liked McKay's direction as well. There's scenes where it's, you know, you have characters kind of looking down the camera. Um, there was one particular scene where, um, again, Prow was talking to his daughter at the end on on like the the oil rig or whatever and yeah i just felt like it was so unique and and well shot and um it really kind of came out of nowhere I, I put this movie on expecting not much and i just had such a good time um i would have loved to have seen in the cinema because it is that summer blockbuster but look at um as i said if you go into this movie being like okay i'm gonna try and pick apart every single plot hole in this you're gonna absolutely <laughs> murder the movie <laughs> you're gonna hate it but if you just it's like independence day i mean it's like um you know it's that you know alien invasion balls to the walls. i know i'm drawing i'm going on and on and on about it but it's just um i just really don't see the the mirrors in like dissecting the movie so specifically you know um i just think if you try and make sense of uh again a nonsensical plot <laughs> you know you're just going to be going around in circles um that being said it's not perfect so i'd give it like three out of five but those three is just because of how much fun i had you know um james i know you you completely disagree but um, you know, you know which what? again i'm looking forward to hearing you we're kind of we're kind of touching the same touchstones uh, mentally because uh, yeah I had a Independence Day in my head I was gonna I was gonna put it forth for my uh, for my review you know it's in a way 
in a way, and you might, I don't know if you've thought about this, but the Tomorrow War and Fear Street have a lot more in common to me than the fact that they just came out the same weekend. It's it's like they are, as I, as I said before in the Fear Street review, they're like a greatest hits collection, homage, not a ripoff, homage to uh, better movies that came before them. Um, I mean, um, I don't think it's offensively bad at all. I just think it's um, a bit bland and unadventurous, to be honest. Um, because, like, it's it's taking kind of cues from Independence Day, as you mentioned. Um, Edge of Tomorrow, as well, was definitely an influence. Um, and even, um, I would say, video games, first-person shooter video games would be a massive influence, especially, like... Um, kind of the mid-decade futuristic Call of Duty games, Infinite Warfare, Advanced Warfare, um, you know, the ones where you're kind of killing um, monsters, not necessarily zombies, but kind of some sort of futuristic monsters. Um, you know, I think even Sam Richardson says uh, in kind of midway through the movie when they're uh, fighting those, those white spike monsters, um, you know, it's like a video game or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's exactly what it is. So it's, it's completely not the most, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, but you see, Edge of Tomorrow, which is one of my favorite science fiction movies of all time, uh, is it's so good. That is that takes a lot of cues from video games as well, as well as the, the original manga as well. But it's just it's it's it, it's not a good video game, <laughs> it's like uh, it's just kind of a generic, um kind of nuts and bolts um, science fiction, alien invasion, time travel movie, taking every trope it can from wherever it can and taking the perceived best bits out of all those. Um, I think I think the, the, the main villain, apart from the White Spikes, is the script. I think it's pretty bad. Um, Zach Dean is the writer of the script. Uh, he did this and... Um, some other really poorly received movies. I was having a look on his IMDb earlier. Nothing. He, he did a movie called 24 Hours to Kill. He wrote the script for a movie called that. So that tells you all you need to know about that. Uh, 24 Hours to Kill. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a Steven Seagal movie from the mid-90s. Um, it could be. I, I didn't even you know, look into it too much. But um, it's... Um, I, I, can't, like, I can't possibly recommend it. Uh, look, Joe. As you were saying, you're not you're not holding it up like it's fucking Simba or anything like that. Or you know, it's no, it, it's what it is. It's what it is like. Um, you see the poster. You see Chris Pratt and guys uh, just kind of on a cliff with a bunch of guns uh, and sky beam or whatever the fuck, and you know exactly what you're going into. There's no surprises in this. Even even the things that are revealed throughout the movie about Chris Pratt's uh, daughter and, um, you know, certain aspects of the future and, um, you know, characters that say certain things about their, about their uh, skill sets and origins. Uh, they all come into play later uh, because, you know, characters just can't have a conversation without bringing up shit that they're use that you're useful for. Um, you know, it's all it's all going to show up at the end. It's everyone has a Chekhov's gun, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the cast is just to speak to the cast. The cast is decent. Like this is this is right up Chris Pratt's alley, and I think 
I think he's pretty proud of what he's done here. Uh, J.K. Simmons is kind of just doing. I, I feel like he kind of do this in his sleep. Uh, he's jacked as shit, by the way. Uh, as if we anyone didn't yeah. know that. I mean, yeah, he's fucking huge. Um, Sam Richardson, uh, Edwin Hodge, Aldous Hodge's brother. I didn't know he had a brother. Um, they're kind of the same eyes. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, I mean, look, Sam Richardson. Sam Richardson's like it's like Chris McKay and Chris Pratt went to fucking Thirty Rock and said. Hey, we're doing this. Uh, we're doing the science fiction uh, military fucking movie. We need comic relief. Uh, is there anyone in the SNL cast you can spare? Uh, well, we have Sam Richardson and we have uh, Colin Jost. Um, <laughs> oh, Sam Richardson, Sam Richardson. Uh, because Colin Jost is such a bland guy. Um, <laughs> um, you know, um, I guess they go Bobby Moynihan, but. Bobby Moynihan might be a better choice. Anyway, um, yeah, it's yeah. They also, yeah, they popped over to um, it's always sunny and got Gail the snail. <laughs> <as> well. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> she could have played Nora. You know that you know that woman Nora. Um, she was like one of. I think she might have died. I think Nora might have died. She was like one of the side characters. Uh, in the oh, movie. yeah, yeah, Nora and Cowan. I remember their names. Um, but yeah, it's uh, like none of the jokes really landed for me either. Like the Sam Richards and stuff, uh, the fucking, the guy who's obsessed with volcanoes, any of that stuff. It's just all so stupid. <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, man, I can't recommend it. Two stars. It's not, it's not offensive. If it was offensive, I'd bring it out to one. It's not awake. Um, but I feel like I'm going to be comparing movies, bad movies to awake all the time. Um, but yeah, uh, it's fine. You know exactly what you get into. Um, if you just want a good time, go for it. It's a bit long though. Two hours, 20 minutes. bit much, I have to say. I hit I up every single minute of it, honestly. And <laughs> again, like it is pure escapist entertainment. It is as you said, like there is, if you're going into it, like expecting like really rigorous logic to it, you're wasting your time. Um, even like the time travel aspect of it, just, I, I was just thinking, watching them. I was like, why didn't they just go back here? Or why, like, why didn't they set this up? Or like, why didn't they, why did they put that there? Or, you know, but again, it's just, I was thinking back to like, you know, the scene where they actually travel to the future. Mm. I was like audibly like, Oh shit. Like th- there's a scene where, um, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, which I presume is a lot of you, um, yeah. they literally get dropped into the future and it just caught me off guard so much. And then later on, there's this great stairwell um, sequence and then there's like a scene in the nest and uh, on this oil rig and on the snow. It's just, look, at it's such a well-designed, um, there's so many well-designed sequences in this movie and such great action, well shot. Um. Yeah, I, 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 I have to recommend. It. I think there's a lot of shit in streaming services right now. This is the one where, like, this and Fear Street. Th- if I was to like say what those two movies have in common is they know exactly what they are. You know, they don't apologize for it. They, they just like, yeah, we're a corny slasher movie. Yeah, we're a big stupid action set piece extravaganza with Chris Pratt, and it just kind, they just kind of go balls to the wall with it and you know i have to give the movie credit for that and 
I, again, I think this is more entertaining than most of the shit that's on Amazon. Um, you know, uh, it's much better than Made in Italy. <laughs> um, so look at, yeah, look at, uh, I'd recommend it. I honestly think it's actually worth watching. Um, yeah, I'd give it three out of five. 3.5. I'm going to give it 3.5 out of 5. <laughs> you're being very generous. I am very much the Simon Cowell of this episode, and you're very much the white Randy Jackson of this episode. It's it's, <laughs> it's becoming it's becoming abundantly clear. Now, it's a good thing you haven't seen the next movie, because I'm just... I just didn't like it at all. I, and the worst thing is, I thought I was going to going into it. Um, and that movie is America the Motion Picture, which stars a bunch of famous people. We've got Chang Tatum as George Washington, um, Olivia Munn as uh, a Chinese uh, female version of Thomas Edison, um, <laughs> Bobby Moynihan as Paul Revere, uh, the legionnaire from the um, American Revolution. And you have Jason Mandukas as Samuel Adams, who is a frat bro. And so... Uh, I think uh, Will Forte plays Abraham Lincoln and you have um, Benedict Arnold is played by um, Andy Samberg as well. So it's quite the cast, quite the cast. Oh, you also have Killer Mike as a uh, as, um, blacksmith, uh, John Henry, the figure from American history. He's kind of like a folk hero. Um, yeah, and uh, Geronimo as well. I don't know who plays Geronimo, but Geronimo is in this. Uh, so basically, um, this is a um, a alternate uh, <laughs> an alternate history of America where uh, American history is turned on its head, and it's a it's just a universe of total madness where um, I don't know John F. Kennedy and George Washington attend the funeral of Abraham Lincoln. This is the stuff we're dealing with. Uh, the national anthem is is Freebird by Leonard Skinnerd, uh, played by George Washington on guitar. Uh, it, it, this is all true. This is all true. Uh, Benedict Arnold is a werewolf who kills uh, King James the First. You know, it's it's crazy. The main the main story is that uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln um, attend a uh, attend the theater. Uh, Benedict Arnold comes up behind him, turns into a werewolf, and murders Abraham Lincoln behind uh, George Washington's back. George Washington sw- uh, swears revenge on Benedict Arnold and King James, uh, who Arnold is working with. And um, he, uh, George Washington assembled his own team of, of heroes uh, composed of uh, Edison, Adams, um, John Henry, Geronimo, Paul Revere, uh, in order to uh, defeat the British and Benedict Arnold, who did I mention is also a world? Here's a clip from America, the motion picture. Stand ready. Eventual Washington will be here in three, two. Hey, dickhole! It's time to. Oh, fuck me. Yes, fuck you indeed. Subdue him. I wish to shame him with a cutting dialogue. Hello, girl. I know betrayal hurts, Georgie, and it can often ride a man. Motivation he didn't even know he had. 
But face facts, with Abe and the rest of your revolutionaries gone, on account of me having killed them all just now, your tired party boy antics are bound to fail. You'll never be the leader Abe was. Because you lack Abe's brains, his heart, and most importantly, his soul. Without him, the revolution is dead. That cherry tree didn't chop its fucking self down. Let's go! Are you a mini-boss or what? Do something! Jesus Christ! Transporter! You! Let's get you transported. I can't believe we ever let you into the three fucking tier! I'm changing our Netflix password! Transporter! The bridge! I almost forgot. I have something from your king. This is for you. <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> I'm so clever. <laughs> no. This is for America. Um, yeah, so, right. Thing about this is, I had high hopes going into this. The pedigree is pretty good. The guys, uh, if you watch any trailer for this movie, it'll tell you, the guys behind uh, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, Archer, and Magic Mike uh, are behind this. And that's that's all good stuff, in theory. Uh, it's... and. Uh, coming for me, this sounds weird, but it's quite a, a vulgar, crude movie uh, in a way that isn't as smart as it thinks it is. It's like uh, whenever you watch an SNL sketch, and every now and then SNL will do uh, one of those animated things, like the ambiguous, uh, the ambiguously gay duo, which is kind of one of the funnier ones. Those things are five minutes for a reason. They were never supposed to be 80 minutes long. This is kind of what this is. The animation is impressive. It's actually, it's, it's actually uh, I would say, a step up from Archer because it has the, the movie budget going for it. Um, it's also quite similar to uh, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, although it's more 2D than 3D, uh, whereas, um, it, you know, with Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, it's uh, 3D renders with kind of hand-drawn animation drawn over it. So uh, it's kind of, it's actually the reverse, I guess, of, of Into the Spider-Verse. And it gets kind of tiring after a while. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I absolutely respect that it's a new, that's a, a very unique style of animation, but it's just, it's not for me. It's not really a thing 
uh, I would like to see again. Uh, I think it works well for Archer because it's kind of, it's um, it just suits the style of Archer more. And this is just a bit, it's a bit much. Um, you know, um, the voice cast is mostly good, although I will say that Jason Manzoukas as uh, Samuel Adams, uh, I mean, it's it's like um, it's kind of like nails on a chalkboard for me. And I listened to um, I listened to How Did This Get Med, the, the podcast Manzoukas does. And he's he's like I don't ever really find him annoying, but like he's he's incredibly shouty and screechy in this. And it really, really gets on your nerves. I would say, not, like, he's not even the main character, but I think he has the most lines in the movie because he's kind of like, um, he's a bit of a talker, a bit of a motor mouth. And he, it really kind of gets on your nerves after a while. It might just be me, but that was just like a big thing. Uh, uh, Olivia Munn is actually quite good as the, the kind of gender-swapped, uh, ethnicity-swapped Thomas Edison. She's basically Iron Man, uh, she has like the powers of Iron Man pretty much uh, I like Chang Tatum as George Washington who's a bit of a fucking lovable idiot who can um, you know summon chainsaws from his sleeves uh, Paul Revere is kind of funny um, it's um, but like the animation the, the crude kind of shitty not so clever humor and the story itself it's like it's like um a first draft rejected snl sketch script that was uh taken out of the bin by the guys at archer and stretched out to 80 minutes it's just it's not very good so i'm gonna give it uh, i'm gonna give it like 2.5 out of 5 i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people enjoy it but the critics aren't liking at the moment it's on like a 36% run tomatoes. I was really hoping it would be some bit good, but it's it's not really. It's it's um it's kind of style over substance, to be honest. And um you're either along for the ride or you're not. And I was very much still at the station. So it's on Netflix, it's available for uh, you know, pretty much the entire Western world to see. <laughs> so um yeah, there you go. America, the motion picture. Uh, don't rely on it for, you know, history notes or anything like that. It's not going to work in that way. Um, uh, all your essays on it, all your homework. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, no, no, def- definitely not. Definitely not. Um, yeah, that's it. That, that's all the reviews. And by extension, that's the end of the show. Um, I guess um, I actually got the, I'll just mention the, I got the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book today called Delivered from Amazon. Mr. Hines also has it. We're twinning. <laughs> Do you know, it's a, lovely, it's a lovely kind of feel to a book. Like, it's like, uh, it's, yeah, it's, such a kind of, it's such a simplistic kind of design, but it's like, I thought it was going to be bigger. And, you know, the funny thing is, I haven't read the book yet, but I, just, I skipped to just see what was at the end. And it's like, I feel kind of conned in a way. Want more Rick and Cliff? Once upon a once upon a time in Hollywood, the deluxe hardcover edition. So it's like I was wondering if there was a hardcover version to this, and it's like, you know, you're gonna have to buy that too, apparently. So there you go. Um, Tarantino, I love you, but you're only getting. I'm only buying one book for you. <laughs> I wish enough for me. I'm, I sure, w- I'm sure. 
I wish I had that willpower, Joe. I I think I might even buy because it, it has it has it has pictures. It has uh, never before never before seen pictures from the movie, and I might even I might even get it. I, I see. I wanted a bloody hardcover, um, but just didn't happen. Actually, do you know what? Do you know what Bruce Springsteen did with his autobiography? Released the hardcover first, then the paperback, like a year later. That's what he should have done. But anyway. Um, Two very different people, I'd imagine. Uh, anyway, that's the end of the show. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Top tier human beings, as always. Uh, stay tuned for more exciting developments in the future I can't really talk about. Um, and hopefully some better movies. Uh, but then again, we're going to be talking about the next few Fear Street movies. So, you know never really a guarantee we're going to get it i'm invested i'm invested like i didn't give a shit before and now i actually i'm looking forward to next friday so Mm. um yeah yeah i i think i think that the next one is going to be better than the one we saw i have a feeling but uh, i'm actually probably more intrigued the most intrigued and most intriguing part of all this is the the last ensemble which is which is like setting the Said like 300 years ago or something like that, 300 or 400 years ago. Mm. Uh, I don't really know what that's like. I haven't really looked into it, but um, it's kind of exciting. Uh, so we'll wait for that. We're going to be reviewing uh, those as they come out uh, each week. So stay tuned. There. Anyway, that's it from us. Uh, so it's a goodbye from Mr. Joseph Hines. Goodbye, Joe. Bye, thanks for listening. God, to your human beings who listen to this podcast, um, tell your friends, tell your family, um, tell everyone about it, you know. Yeah. We're taking over the world, James, aren't we? We are. We're going on tour um, with Bill Cosby. That was, I forgot to mention that. That's what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> we're taking sure. over the world. <laughs> taking over the world. And um, it's a goodbye for me. I'm off to, um, I guess I'll, I guess I'll just read the, the fucking book. I haven't read it yet, so read the book. And you should read too, listener. You shouldn't just be like listening to the mid-tier movie podcast. Like, <laughs> anyway. Top tier. Sorry, we're top tier. We're top tier. Anyway, goodbye. 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 Bye.